next speaker. <laughs> well, Jeff Henderson is going to bring us a second message for today. Um, and it is entitled, You Have the Power If You Believe. special water by the way this water has been brought to my lips all the way from Fiji <laughs> that's right it says from the island of Fiji natural artesian water it's a uh, it does miraculous things we we hope By the way, your heart really goes out, doesn't it, to the people of the Ukraine? You see those, those pictures. And again, it, it's hard to believe, right? I mean, unless you were there walking and actually in that you know, picture, it's like I remember during the Vietnam War, um, all of us, and I was in the military at the time in the Air Force, but uh, thank God I, I just stayed at home and never was deployed over there. But even for us, the only thing we knew about the war is what we saw on television every night uh, until uh, it became real for me one time when, because uh, I was in the 82nd Aerial Force Squadron and part of our duty was uh, taking food and, and things to the, uh, the flight crews. And I remember one day I was stationed at Travis and there was a C-5 that landed. Uh, it was a medical evacuation plane out of Vietnam. And with that particular plane, you walk in through the rear, and then you walk all the way to the cockpit. You know, so you have to go through the length of the, of the plane. So I entered, and as I walked, I see all these people on stretchers with IVs, bandaged, some ashen gray, uh, some look like they were near unto death. That's the day the war became real for me, right? And so even pictures that we see of the Ukraine, uh, heartbreaking pictures of... Uh, uh, families that have lost loved ones and everything, it's, it still seems kind of far away. You know, there's an aspect of a lack of reality to it. So we need to, uh, to remember to pray for those people. And uh, when this uh, started to developing, the thought that came to me was where it says, and nation uh, shall uh, uh, go to war against nation, but these are only the beginning of sorrows. Only the beginning of sorrows. So very heavy indeed. I want to uh, thank uh, Rick uh, Gateworth uh, for uh, the work he does in sending out the prayer request that we're on that list. So I, I keep up with what's going on here. You know, Kathy and I, um, we feel so comfortable and relaxed uh, in, in your church. I have to tell you, we love you all, and uh, we just feel very uh, comfortable and, and at home here, and it keeps us in touch uh, with those prayer requests, so we thank you for that. And we also want to uh, thank uh, the Steele family for their hospitality uh, in uh, having us uh, uh, be with them, uh, breaking bread with them. And uh, 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 while we're here, uh, God willing, we will be here tomorrow as well for the, uh, the seminar. And we'll be leaving to go home at 6 a.m. on Monday morning. And uh, it wasn't my preferred flight, but uh, it was the, the least expensive, number one. And number two, it got us in at a decent time because when you come here, you know, you leave at 5 a.m., which we did, and we arrived in the afternoon, right? 
and then you gain time going back. So you leave at 6, and I think we get in before 10. So uh, that, that's good in that, that respect. So anyway, thank you to the Steele family for, for hosting us and for having the, the opportunity once again to fellowship with you and, and uh, your, your two wonderful boys. It's always a pleasure to, uh, you know, being with young people makes you feel young, doesn't it? You know, I like that. You know, I mean, I, I like to kind of hug them and rough around with them a little bit. So, yeah, it makes me feel young. <laughs> I'm not, but it makes me feel young. That's good. Okay. On to a more serious note. Now, you know, we are fast approaching, as you know, a very special time. It's uh, the time when we once again begin to recycle through the holy days. And God, in his infinite wisdom, of course, has made that a reoccurring theme. Why? Because it's so easy to forget, you know. Um, so he knew it was best that we would go through this again and again to understand the plan of salvation and all these things. You know, Kathy and I are reading in the Bible every morning. That was another discipline that we decided that we needed. And so now we, we go through the Bible in, in a year and you read over and over again about uh, Israel uh, how you know God would bless them and and everything, and then after years of peace and prosperity, all of a sudden it's uh, God who, and you know they completely go their way, and, and unless you educate the next generation, um, you know we on the way here this morning there was a, uh, I don't know if it's a, a parkway or a roadway or something. Uh, but it, as I said, Pearl Harbor Expressway or Pearl Harbor something. And uh, I said to Renee, I said, I wonder how many young people see that sign and go, what are they talking about? What is that, right? So again, we have to, it's so important to, to educate people, and that's what the Holy Days do. And part of what we're approaching, uh, certainly with the Passover and the Days of Unleavened Bread, it, it's a time for uh, reflection, right, as we again evaluate ourselves. I, I like it in a way too for those of you that uh, are employed or have been employed. You remember when you got your annual review? Oh, we loved that, didn't we? Yes, we did. And uh, obviously uh, um, that's the time when, uh, well, you're not doing so good here. You could improve there. So it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to reflect and, and to see where we are in the scheme of things. And so there if ever there was a time that the enemy wants to attack us, it's during this time. Of course, we know the Bible says that Satan is like a roaring lion roaming around seeking whom he may devour. But certainly during this time of the year, uh, he's even more active than ever in trying to get into our minds and upset us. Now, I want to talk about flashbacks. Have you ever had flashbacks? I'm not talking about any of you that may have engaged in uh, uh, dope or things, you know, because I know that people that took, um, uh, what was it, uh, LSD would have flashbacks or whatever. I'm not talking about that kind of flashback, but have you ever been in a situation where memories come into your mind about your past and uh, they seemingly come out of nowhere. You know, you could be doing something totally unrelated, and all of a sudden, poof, there in your mind, you begin to think of something that occurred in your life many years ago, 
and you know things that maybe you're not really proud of and you're embarrassed and you wouldn't want to have on the big screen here for everybody to see and what is what happens when that occurs well it's a negative feeling it makes you go you feel down you know you could even feel like a a, a loser a, a personal experience you know um, and I've had it happen to me on, on many occasions, and it can happen anywhere. It could be on the shower. It could be engaged in something that, you know, your mind is totally focused on. And out of seemingly nowhere comes this uh, memory of something that you did in your past, which you're really ashamed of, and as soon as you think about it, uh, it just, oh, man, what a jerk. I can't believe I, I did that, you know. Oh, man, you know, I'm such a loser, right? Well, here's the thing. I'm not an expert on the brain and how it functions, and I know that probably some scientists could tell you, well, you know, this is connected to that, and this triggers that, and a little electronic pulse goes here, and, and they can activate this portion of the brain and, and everything else. But I am suspicious when the memories that I get are negative and depress you and bring you down. Why is it I don't get all of a sudden a lot of happy memories flooding into my mind? Why only the bad ones, right? Well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, where they come from and what we can do to help repel uh, that when it occurs. Now, we've all heard the expression hacker. That's a modern term, of course, and in modern computer technology is when a person gets into files, into data that they should not have access to. They can use this information to harm and to hurt you. Uh, there is a war going on between those who want to guard your data and those who want to break through the firewalls and defenses meant to protect you. The IT battle lines are drawn. In fact, some of the people that big corporations are hiring are hackers but they want them to be on their side, right, to help them not to have all their, their stuff hacked and, and taken and, and used for nefarious purposes. Now, I know that I'm talking to a group that has spiritual discernment, and you probably know where I'm going with this, but we are on the front lines of a great spiritual battle that is going on. And, though, and there are those who want to manipulate us and to draw us away from our reward of eternal life. The adversary is consumed with trying to thwart God's plan. Over and over again, you see this in, in the Bible. And what better way than to make us feel unworthy, to make us feel that we cannot live up to our calling? You are just a loser, and you always will be, right? Now, if he can get you to really buy into that, then, you know, you're on the road that takes you away from God, not to God. And I want to give you a personal example of something that happened years and years ago, early on when I was in the church. And I think it's uh, pertinent to uh, what we're talking about today. It was during Passover time. There were two churches, uh, Fairfield and Santa Rosa, and they got together, I think, in Vallejo, uh, a midway point, to hold these services. And, you know, there were a lot of people involved. And I remember there was a young man from our church 
who um, came, and it was time to, to go in. And he did not want to go in uh, because he felt so unworthy and, and so dejected and defeated that he, he could not bring himself to go in and, and take the, uh, the Lord's Supper, to take the bread and the wine, the, the foot washing and everything. And I remember vividly, I wasn't really engaged in it, but I was more of a spectator. I remember people uh, talking to him, trying to encourage him, trying to tell him why he needed to do this. And uh, he never did go in. He never did, okay? And I'm not sure, my memory doesn't serve what uh, happened to him long term. I don't know. Uh, I think he still went to church uh, for a while. I, I, I don't know. I mean, that part of my, my memory, sometimes I suffer from short-term and long-term memory loss. I don't know. But I remember that, that particular scene, which, of course, is very pertinent to what we're talking about. So when thoughts like that permeate your consciousness, where do you think they are coming from? Well, you know the answer. God wants to encourage you. God wants you to stand fast, to hold the line, to keep in the race, and gain the crown of eternal life that is waiting for you. Your adversary, on the other hand, wants to fill you with everything depressing and negative. Now, when you sin, and you do, because the Bible tells me so, and I know because I am one. <laughs> so what happens when you have sin, when, when you sin, when you've missed the mark, when you've fallen short, when you do something you know you should have done? And actually, how many times have, you know, hey, come on, let's get real. It's not that, you know, I was walking along and, and I tripped over sin or sin overtook me and I, oh, how did that happen? Sometimes you know exactly what you're doing. I mean, it's, it's kind of premeditated in a way, right? I mean, you, you come to a situation, there's that split in the road, there's the angel and the devil on your shoulder, right? And you, and you go, well, I should do this, probably shouldn't do that, Mm-mm-mm. but I will anyway. Okay, now maybe I'm the only person that's ever done that, but I have a hunch that I'm not, okay? So, when that happens to you, what, what is the first thing that happens? Well, you have an Adam and Eve moment. What happened when Adam and Eve basically sinned? They hid themselves from God. They went away from God. They feel guilty, right? It's, it's almost like this person, for whatever personal reasons, and I don't know, felt so overwhelmed with guilt that he just could not uh, bring himself to enter into that special relationship that we have during the, the Passover. They hid from God. They went away from God. That's our tendency. You know, we, we tend to, like, move away. Sometimes we find it even hard to pray initially. There is one very powerful creature that is an expert in playing the guilt game, and that, of course, is the devil. Now, we all remember Job, the story of Job. And, you know, I, I, what a guy. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, all the trials and tribulations he went through. And, you know, you talk about uh, a battle cry that should be our battle cry. And he said, remember, 
even though he slay me, I will put my trust in God. I mean, that is the ultimate, right? That kind of goes to what we were talking about earlier, right? You know, I will trust God no matter what. You have to come to that moment in time. I will trust God no matter what. And Job was this way too. But what's interesting is as his affliction became worse and worse, what did his wife say to him? Did, did she say, oh dear, be strong, be of good cheer. You know, I, I, I know the Lord is real and, uh, and, and it's all, all going to work out. No, she said, curse God and die. You know, now where, oh where did that thought come from that was put in her mind? I think you know who, who put that thought in her mind. So don't think for a moment that Satan enjoyed um, uh, or does not enjoy uh, sending us those fiery darts that we read about in the Bible. Another example that I think about sometimes is the Apostle Paul. Now, if anybody could uh, be the vi victim of the guilt game, it would be him, right? This is the guy who actually rounded up, persecuted, and put to death Christians. He was the guy who was standing watching Stephen get martyred, you know, and now he's converted. Now he has, you know, uh, the Spirit of God, and he's a new creature in Christ, right? Yes, I can hear it now. <laughs> Behold, someone is knocking at the door, and it's not the one we want. Anyway, um, so you can't tell me, I do not believe for a moment that there were not situations in which out of the blue, Satan replayed in his mind some of those scenes. I believe it. I believe it. Come on. I mean, um, if, if anybody would cringe at having those thoughts re-entered into his mind, it would be the Apostle Paul, would it not? I mean, you know, and... Maybe that's a reason, too, that we read in the scripture where he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, right? You know, uh, he says, but thank God, you know, through the grace of Christ, uh, you know, uh, I can do all things. So uh, I believe that a lot of that was because of what he uh, remembered or what the devil attacked him with, those, those fiery darts of bringing in his mind um, the evil things that he did. So um, we've all identified with the problem, I think. So now let's go to the next stage. And that is, what should be our reaction when we find ourselves under attack, right? Now, if we, just like I talked about this morning, if we, in our mind, are prepared for the encounter, we're going to react to that counter differently than all of a sudden if it just comes out of the blue and he kind of plays with us like a rag doll and shakes us around. And I've been played with and I've, I've had the, those uh, reactions which have been to allow him to create neg negativity in my mind and especially if you have uh, things that you do that you've done before and you go, man, I will never be able to overcome this. And he's going, that's right, you'll never be, you are a loser. Okay, and you know, he whispers those things in your ear. In fact, I don't know if you saw the movie The Passion uh, of Christ. 
to me, probably one of the most realistic Jesus movies I have ever seen. Uh, even the stripes that were portrayed in him, because a lot of times they have just a little dab of blood or something. I mean, you know, it, it just really came alive. And I remember as the movie began, he was in the, uh, the garden, right? That's where the movie uh, unfolds. And in the movie, and they take a little bit of license, but you know, it, it's not that far removed from reality. Satan, even at that point, is messing with his mind, right? And, and he says, you know, why, why are you doing this? These people don't appreciate this, you know? I mean, it's, you know, he was interjecting all of these negative thoughts in, into his mind. And I, I believe that it, it could have happened. And so if he can attack Jesus at a moment like that, he can certainly attack us anytime he jolly well wants to. Now, how do you respond when you are attacked and these things come into your mind, all right? It really centers around Philippians 4.8. And we, we are all familiar with that verse. Satan's darts are arrows of negativity. I remember early on in, in my uh, uh, journey into the church that uh, there was a young married woman, and she told me one time, she says, uh, do you want to know the difference between Jesus and, uh, and Satan? And I said, okay, what's the difference between them? And she said, one is positive and one is negative. Now, how's that? for the simplified version. And I love it, I love it, because actually that is true. That, you know, you can write books to elaborate on those things, but when you break it down, basically it comes to the fact that, yes, Satan is negative, God is positive. So do you really think in your wildest imagination that God would send thoughts of depression into your mind saying you're a loser and you're never gonna make it? No, God wants to put in your mind you are going to make it, you know. Uh, you know, you're going to be in my family. Look what I did for you to make it, you know. So, we've identified the problem. Now we're going to talk about how we're going to deal with it. Satan's starts are arrows of negativity. We counter the attack with positivity, right? Negative comes. And by the way, you know, you, you take these, um, what are they called? That look like this. Sounds like, uh, <laughs> uh, huh? Magnus. That, that, that sounds like it. <laughs> Congratulations to the woman in the third row. She wins the prize. Okay. So you take two magnets, right? And you put the, them together, and they what? They repel one another, right? There's a force there. They they tend to repel, and so it is that basically when the negativity comes our way, if we counter it with the positivity of, of God, that's going to make the negativity go away. You know, Ron Dart's ministry was founded on the concept born to win. And we are. We are. We actually are. And we have to remember that. So I want to give you a real life story of the power of positivity and negativity, right? Real story, not made up. It's, it's a, uh, uh, an example uh, that has been done many times over. I mean, maybe hundreds of times over. But as they've actually conducted this, and, and every time the outcome is exactly the same. And it's, it just, it's kind of mind-blowing in a way. They take three plants, right? 
They're all the same plants. And one plant, they water the plant, that's it. The next plant, they water the plant, and they talk to the plant. You are a beautiful plant. I love you. You bring joy into my life. You know, I'm so glad that you're here, right? The third plant, they water the plant, and they, they say, you are an ugly plant. You know, I, you know, how did you ever get into my house? You know, I don't even know why you're here. Why, I don't even think you should exist, right? So what happens? That's what happens. So what happens is the first plant, uh, plus or minus neg uh, plus or minus zero, it basically, it's, it's okay, you know, whatever. The second plant that was watered and talked to in a loving way flourishes. It's just really green leaves. It's wonderful and everything. Guess what? The third plant a lot of times shrivels and dies. Why is that? Why? You know, you're just talking to the miserable plant. But yet, the outcomes always are the same. And that should be a light to us. We should look at that and go, you know what? There is power in the positive, and there is power in the negative. Which are you going to allow to dominate your life? Because the one will have bad, bad effects if you do. The other will have glorious, wonderful effects. So I've always been really enamored with that story. And I hope, if nothing else, these are one of the things you'll remember from our, our talk here today. So here is what I want you to do when you have those depressing thoughts that seem to come out of nowhere. Because you're going to have them, they're going to continue to happen, but you don't have to be the victim. You don't have to let him shake you like a rag. Remember, it's interesting that analogy, because what did uh, Jesus say to Peter? He says, Satan wants to shake you like a rag, basically. He used another term, but you know what I'm saying, right? But I prayed for you, and, and all will be well. Okay, so... Here, here's what I'm suggesting. First of all, acknowledge that you are a sinner. You know, if you get these thoughts and, and you go, yeah, yeah, you remember when, when you did that, that disgustingly bad thing, you treated somebody evilly, you went off the reservation and you were cursing or you, you did somebody dirty or you stole something or you did something that was wrong, say, you know, out, out loud, yes, you know, I, I was a sinner, and I did, I did uh, a lot of bad things. You know it, and I know it. But uh, we, why, why do we read that he is the accuser of the brethren? Because of those, those memories. So what you say is, one, you acknowledge, yes, I did those sins, but I am now a redeemed child of God. I am under the blood of Christ, you know, so you acknowledge that, that you were a sinner, so that, that just takes the wind out of the whole thing. Say, yeah, yeah, that happened. You and I both know it happened. Okay, fine, okay. But that is then and this is now. And I've acknowledged that. I've asked for forgiveness of, uh, of God. And like it says in 1 John 1, 9, uh, in the Living Bible, 1 John 1, 9, it says, but if we confess our sins to him, he can be depended upon to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. And it is perfectly proper for God to do this because Christ died to wash away our sins. So when Satan comes a calling and he puts these negative thoughts in your mind, A, say, yeah, I did those things, absolutely, okay. But you know what? They're gone. You know, I'm under the blood of Jesus Christ now and you be gone, right? 
The Living Bible says, but if we confess our sins to him, he can be depended upon to forgive us and to cleanse us of every wrong. And it is perfectly proper for God to do this because Christ died to wash away our sins. Now, let me read this out of the J.B. Phillips New Testament. Here then, this is verses 5 through 10. Here then is the message which we heard from him and now proclaim to you. God is light and no shadow of darkness can exist in him. He is totally positive, right? And when you call upon the positiveness of Christ, then that is going to repel negativity. Guaranteed, guaranteed. Consequently, if we say that we enjoy fellowship with him and still live on living in darkness, we should be both telling and living a lie. But if we are really living in the same light in which he eternally exists, then we have true fellowship with each other and the blood which his son shed for us keeps us clean from all sin. Doesn't say we won't sin, it keeps us clean from sin. If we refuse to admit that we are sinners, we live in a world of illusion. I love that translation. We live in a world of illusion and the truth becomes a stranger to us. So that's why I'm suggesting when you get those negative thoughts and, and, and just to be on the safe side, just figure if they're depressing and negative and bring you down, they're not coming from God, okay? So basically one, you admit, yeah, yeah, I did those things that, uh, that you're bringing to, to my attention and say it out loud, you know, uh, and say, but you know what? Uh, I'm under the blood of Christ now. You know, I'm totally forgiven. I'm cleansed of my sins. And uh, those things are, are, are gone. But if we freely admit that we sin, we find God utterly reliable and straightforward. He forgives our sins and makes us thoroughly clean from all that is evil. For if we take up the attitude we have not sinned, we flatly deny God's diagnosis for our condition and cut ourselves off from what he has to say to us. Now, you remember, of course, the famous uh, incident in the Bible in which the woman was caught in adultery, right? And Jesus uh, said what? Uh, Where are those that condemn you? And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, Romans 8, verse 1, um, and the title of this is Living by the Power of the Holy Spirit. And I I didn't write it down, but I would also uh, suggest you put in your notes and read this, uh, verses uh, 31 through 39. Uh, I'm going to read you Romans 8, 1, but actually verses 31 and 39 Uh, re uh, go over once again uh, what is said in in this verse so this is uh, Romans 8 verse 1 out of the Passion Translation so now the case is closed there remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus the anointed one So that's why Jesus has given us the power over Satan. See, you know, I don't think we really 
understand what we have and we don't use it. And to the degree that we don't use what we have been given, we fall victim to the enemy, right? Now, there is one important element uh, missing. You know the scripture, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? We all know that scripture. But think about what that verse is saying. We wrestle not, we wrestle. That is not passive, that is active. Remember Jacob who wrestled all night with the, with the angel, right? You are engaging something, right? So when Satan comes and he attacks you with these fiery darts of negativity, you are to wrestle him, you are to fight him, you are to go against him, right? You don't fall back, you don't retreat, you don't run away, you don't give in and say, I give up, I'm miserable, I'm a loser, right? You engage the enemy, you engage him because it says, if you do, he will flee from you, right? So what I'm saying is, this is a formula if you apply that I tell you on the living word of God that you will actually have victory over Satan. One, do not be in denial that he is out to get you when he can. How does he do this? Well, one of the ways is putting these negative thoughts in your mind, especially, especially around this time of the year, right? What better time than to get you down, right? And to make you feel you're, you're not worthy. And, and, you know, why am I even doing this? You know, I'll, I'll never be an overcomer you know, and everything. And he's he just as happy as can be if, if you allow him, if you allow him to do this. You don't have to allow him. You resist him and he will flee from you. How do you resist him? I'm suggesting one option is to one, when you have these negative thoughts and they can be really depressing, I'm here to tell you, I've had some things that, you know, that I hadn't thought about for a long time and they come flooding into my mind. And, and I just, oh man, it just you know, makes me want to just go in a corner and hide. I mean, I, I feel so bad. I say, how could I have done such things? I mean, oh man, you know, but rather than dwell on what I did, I really should be saying, you know, because you really are engaging the enemy. I mean, and that's why I say, talk out loud. Don't, don't be afraid to talk out loud. Say, yes, these things are true. I, I did miserable things. I was a, a rotten person, but not anymore. I am a new person. I am covered by the blood of Christ. There is no condemnation for me. There is no condemnation for me. So be gone, be gone. You can command the devil to be gone. You don't have to, you know what I mean? You have power. You do have power. There are times when you have to stand up to the devil. Remember James uh, 4, 7 that I talked about. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So, you know, I'm encouraging you to resist those negative thoughts when they come your way. Especially at this time of the year. Because chances are, if you play the odds that if ever there was a time that uh, this would happen, it would be around this time of the year. But of course it could happen any time of the year. <laughs> I'm here to testify to that, okay? But let's, let's make this something different. Let's, just like we talked about earlier in the day, let's prepare for battle. Let's prepare and get ready for the onslaught so that we are not taken by surprise. We are not ambushed because that's what it feels like sometimes when these negative thoughts come to your mind. You're being ambushed. So you're, you're going your, your merrily way and all of a sudden out of nowhere, ah, attack, attack, you know. So 
when this happens, you know, just acknowledge it, you know, so that basically it takes the wind out of a sail. Say, yeah, I did those things, absolutely, okay? But that was then. Now I'm a new creature in Christ. Christ does not condemn me, and I'm not going to allow you to condemn me. So be gone, all right? And I really believe with all my heart that if you do that, you will have victory over the devil. But like the title says, you have the power. You have the power, but it works only if you believe.